Today on New Mexico Rising, we have a sit-down conversation with Denise Golden Wiper. She is running for lieutenant governor in the state of New Mexico on the GOP side. We'll discuss that race. We'll discuss her other attempts at trying to seek high office. And we'll talk about her experience as a business owner in the state of New Mexico for 30 years. Stay tuned. Today on New Mexico Rising, we're going to be speaking with Anise Golden Morper. She's a lifelong resident of New Mexico, and she established herself after a successful career in real estate. She's one of the founding principals of Liberty Star Foundation, a nonprofit whose stated mission is to educate the general public on the rights provided in the United States Constitution to protect our constitutional rights. She had a bit of an uphill battle in 2020, which led to her withdrawal from the race for the third congressional district, but she's now set her sights on becoming Lieutenant Governor in 2022. Before we get into any of that, I suppose I should ask that, how's the weather in New Mexico? Probably a lot more, I don't know, monsoony than yours in Arizona. I don't know though. It's been very, very humid here, bro. It's been like, I almost feel like I'm in my, you know, Home, home state of South Carolina, man. It's there's flies everywhere. I mean, it was a oh God. It was a it was a massacre of flies as I was trying to get a nice couple of brews done because I am a home brewer. For those of you who don't know, it's just gross and sticky here, and it's unexpected. But I know for that we need it here. We absolutely need this monsoon season. We have not had such a monsoon in probably a decade. It should it should basically shut up a lot of the people complaining about water but we'll have to see as we go into the winter but i don't know man how are things in arizona the republic of arizona yeah it's it, it's it's been interesting to say the least on this trip um i mean like i told my old man i said i think these are the this is the happiest i've ever seen the palm trees down here again, <laughs> it's incredibly humid it's been raining every day so that was a bit of a different kind of take for me yeah, but no. you know, as a whole, I mean, obviously there was there was the rally yesterday. Um, and Did you Trump's, get to see Trump, Daddy? You got to see oh, Trump, yeah. Daddy, baby. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You know. So I heard I mean, he put on a pretty good set on stage, and not oh, necessarily yeah, a speech. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was all right. It was it was it was interesting. You could see the break in the Republican Party there. Obviously, they booed State Senator Michelle Ugenti Rita right off stage. They just booed her off stage. So that would explain her later comment about him having him being Trump, getting over the fact that he lost Arizona. I don't know, man. Not a good thing to say. Kind of sounds a little petulant. Kind of sounds like some sour grapes. 
Look, well, as the, she was as she was walking off the stage, I mean, she she was booed off. She couldn't get a word in edgewise. And as she's walking off stage, all she says is, "Well, I'm going to win the primary, anyways." And that you know, is so kind she, of the problem. Yeah, she does seem rather entitled, rather petulant. I didn't know anything about her to speak of prior to that, um, but the, but the mood was definitely that she was not loved. At I all. I think the land or the land of. Um, uh, Goldwater, I think, is going to have a resurgence because I think November was sort of a shock and a wake-up call about what the heck has happened to the stalwart of GOP uh, and the stalwart state of GOP like dominance in the Southwest. As states around it fall, Arizona tended to remain pretty GOP, like like mm-hmm. as a stronghold. I'm hoping we're seeing. A resurgence of that um, with, you know, the actual real conservative types in, in the, of course, in the, in, the, in the mold of Goldwater, like retaking that state because it's necessary is, is a necessary bulwark against the, the blue horde that is uh, abandoning ship in places like California and Oregon and Washington state. And hopefully that kind of um, insurgency can can happen here. Um, with, you know, a slate of, I wouldn't call them MAGA candidates, but definitely anti-establishment candidates that might shake up the party here in New Mexico. Well, and I think the other big takeaway, you know, Paul Gozar, he's very, very popular. Um, And and that was something that I saw that was kind of a change. You know, obviously, um, Ashley Babbitt, her mother was there. Um, In person or? or, Yes, in in person she was there. And, and so he had made a, a very large point of that, you know, trying to find out what's happened to Ashley. And just in general, he's been, he's been a champion of a lot of the, you know, nonviolent J6 defendants. And even those, you know, that are, that are, that have been held in jail, you know, for over six months now. And so to me, you know, I was there obviously, and I'm facing my own issues in regards to that, but it was encouraging to see someone actually get up and speak up for people who are facing years and years in prison for doing something that quite frankly, other people have done on some level and, and they walked away with $50 fines. So I think, I think that movement is starting and, and that becomes part of it. Um, so that was, he was, he was immensely popular there. Obviously there was another uh, person, uh, Carrie Lake, who was a reporter for the mainstream news there for years and years and years and faced all sorts of issues. Some people question whether or not she's just, you know, kind of more of the same with a rhino or she's just getting up for show. But either way, she got the most cheers of anyone with the exception of Trump himself. Obviously. And what's her claim to fame? Yeah, she's, she's the news lady. So, oh, that yeah. news lady who, who, who did yeah. the, was it a YouTube video, Facebook video, Instagram video where she basically quit her job and said, like, Hey, like this Fox affiliate is, is, is trash. lying to you and trash. Yeah. Yeah. I so, don't know, man. I mean, that, that is the push there. I mean, it's still the populism on some level and, you know, it's, it's hard to say that that was a perfect representation. Obviously, people are there for Trump, and he doesn't have perfect support, but he still has the majority of the support. He's still pushing the party. Mm-hmm. Whether whether people are like it or not, he is the de facto leader. You're right. 
Yeah, much to the dismay of the Never Trumpers or the dead ender Never Trumpers yeah. out there. Um, this, the, the Arizona GOP is not the GOP of the McCains. It is the GOP of Trump. And the quicker they learn that um, and get back to what made Arizona, again, this bulwark against, you know, the Western push or the Eastern push of the Western elites from California, Oregon, and Washington, the better off that party will be. It does seem that way. I mean, the, the, um, there was, there was still a fair amount of the uh, Q faction there, yeah. which was, which was, yeah. which was somewhat disappointing. I mean, that these people, quite frankly, in my opinion, are still trusting a plan that has done nothing but fail them. But you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll see how that turns out. And, and, it's it's like you mentioned with Arizona, it, it becomes important because when we talk about election integrity, what happens in Arizona with the audit and how that finishes out and what they decide to do with their electors um, is going to have implications across the country, including New Mexico. But so that's yeah. that's where that stands at this point. Well, our intrepid reporter uh, from our very own. Tribune Media International, um, in in the thick of it at uh, what is this Turning Point USA? Yeah, it was Turning Point USA. Was who put it on? It was you know the rally for election integrity. Excellent. Uh, so they, it was it was interesting. I mean, like say everybody was there. It was packed all the way around the block. But that's kind of what you expect anytime Trump shows up to town. Hmm. Like like they like they mentioned, and that's very honest. You know, Biden has trouble filling up. You know. 20 seats yeah it's it's yeah i think it the the contrast in turnout um for in and, and, and quite frankly a media blackout i i still uh monitor most of the mainstream um media uh um, i don't know media from the cathedral and yes. i i saw very little i saw maybe excerpts i saw maybe you know, some uh, QAnon types going crazy, um, um, or maybe some I, more specifically blue anon types. Well, yeah. Uh, um, but um, nah, I saw nothing. Uh, I think uh, I saw your coverage. I saw some coverage from some other alternative media sources. There, it it streamed in a couple places where I could kind of get bits and pieces. But again, they're trying their best. But they don't tend. I don't think the people who are kind of pushing this tend to understand that like there's still a uh, fifty to seventy million people in this country who did not like the results of the last election. And there's a growing majority that thinks that it might have been iffy or fishy. I'm sorry. Denying the evidence that's come out has just become silly to me. It's just gaslighting. I'm incredibly frustrated with the way the media has continued to push that there's no evidence. Yeah, There's evidence. There's lots of evidence. Our very own New Mexico's very own professor Clements has laid out a very convincing case and has been the epitus behind really pushing that information out and uh, really just kind of given it to people in these digestible chunks to be like, this is kind of what happened. This is, this is bad. Even if nothing comes, the election, sorry, QAnon, we're not going to overturn the results of last year's election. Sorry, uh, you know, you know, I, uh, I might, um, but, but, I might you, even argue with that one, and then, you know, and I'll come back and I'll say, as as weird as some of the conversations I had yesterday, the reality is, is that there is an extremely improbable 
course we've gone over the election i think we've got over that though yeah Um, it's kind of a lot of things have to fall into place in order for that to even begin to happen Eh. anything else from anything else enough of that enough of that anything else let's get back to the matter of our hand we keep our guest waiting long enough yeah no i'm sorry about that i i just interested (laughs) right because like you know you you were in there but again uh we have Someone who is probably going to be or hopefully will be an insurgent candidate here next year. She is running for lieutenant governor on the GOP side. And let's hope that our very own uh, secretary of state doesn't thwart her attempt with no further delay. Sorry for the delay. We bring on Anise. How are you doing this Hi, afternoon? I'm doing Welcome to New Mexico Rising. Thank you. I'm doing great. And thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So... Oh no no you you go that you go. Oh oh, oh oh I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but first Bring and foremost, on, yeah, no, first and foremost, as the first time uh, being guest on being on our show, introduce yourself to our our audience. Um, what's going on? You know, what, what who is Anise Golden Morton? Well, Anise Golden was born and raised right here in New Mexico. My formal name is Anastasia, which means risen or has risen. I'd love to have New Mexico rise up to the top. And that's one thing that I think we can do. We do have the greatest state in the United States and we haven't behaved that way and we haven't been treated that way. So it's time, it's more than time. But back to the introduction, my nickname is Anise. Many people do know me by Anise. My main name is Golden and I've been Golden most of my life. My husband of 11 years, his last name is Morper, and he is an awesome supporter of mine. So, I mean, tell us a little bit more of the, your backstory and just who you come from, um, who your parents were. I know you're a longtime resident in New Mexico, but there wasn't exactly a uh, excess of information about you available online. So. I think what we're well, trying to do is just give people a, a good feel of who you are on a personal level. Okay. Well, one of the things you had mentioned is that we have I have Liberty Star, which is about standing up for our Constitution and teaching that. I have put that aside since it is, um, you know, a nonprofit. I cannot do both legitimately okay. or ethically. So I have put that aside. I do have my instructors, my teachers who are just biting at the bit to get that back on. And they will, I'll let them uh, assign a chairman and all that. So that isn't totally dead. It's just for right now, it's on pause. I did grow up in both Albuquerque and on the east side of the mountains. I went to Queen of Heaven school until the eighth grade. I also, so that's a Catholic school. So I also went to a Greek Orthodox church right in Albuquerque because my mom was Greek Orthodox. My dad being Italian was, was Catholic. So I had the advantage of enjoying both types of religions. And I think, um, you know, one thing we really need to do is stand up for our religious rights. We did not do that and we didn't have that opportunity really to do that as a unified group when uh, we had the draconian shut down. Sure. So you, this is not, this is, I guess, continue. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry. So going back to my raising, I, my father has had a real estate company in Albuquerque. He has since just moved it out to his farm where he lives. But he had a real estate company in Albuquerque off of Wyoming. First, it was Tri-State Realty in the 1960s. Then it was Pete Golden Realty just a block over 
and he still operates Pete Golden Realty, although not at that address. He sold the property to a church. I, as a child, instead of going and playing very much right after school, he would pick me up and I would go to the office and work, which was extremely valuable. Although as a child, I, I really thought I was being punished since I couldn't play, but it was really valuable to learn about bookkeeping, uh, file keeping. It was, it was really good information. So my grandparents on my mom's side, my mother, her mom came from Waco, Texas in a covered wagon at three years old to Lucy, New Mexico. She was part of a ranching family and her two older brothers at the same time simultaneously went to Wyoming to pick up some cattle and horses at the age of, I think, 15 and 17 years old by themselves and to meet my grandfather and my grandmother and the rest of the siblings that came down the line in the future right there in Lucy, New Mexico. So I have a, a ranching background on that side. Also, her, my mom's dad was an immigrant when he was a teenager and he came to this country legally. It is so important that we, we fix our immigration laws and we have immigrants come over legally. We do need the immigrants because that's what created this country, but it needs to come over lawfully, legally. On my dad's side, my grandmother um, is Italian and they came from, and his dad was Irish. They came from New York when my dad was a teenager. So my, my dad finished his growing up right in the South Valley of Albuquerque. They had a little farm there as well. And uh, he graduated from Albuquerque High. So I have roots right here in New Mexico for many, many years. Uh, I think that this is such a wonderful state of diverse cultures and, and our own state creed is perfect. We just need to apply it now. New Mexico true indeed. Yeah, no, man, that's that's deep roots. I'm just a transplant. <laughs> but so so let's uh so you've been obviously kind of politically involved for for a little bit here. I know you had a you attempted to run for Congress in CD3 if I'm not if I'm correct. And that that was sort of a that was sort of thwarted by not only the establishment but uh, the political establishment of the state, particularly the Secretary of State. So uh, tell us well, about that. Tell us about that, that legal battle, <laughs> that, that, that whole ordeal. Well, let me start with when, as a kid, since I worked in the real estate industry with my dad, I thought when I turned 18 or 19 that I, yeah, he, you know, parents don't know anything. So I went into the construction industry <laughs> and after 10 years of owning a construction business, meeting payroll and bills and all that, I decided, you know what, dad's right. Real estate really is much better to go into. <laughs> so I did that for almost 40 years. If you actually include some of my time with, uh, with my dad. So I never had any ambition to do anything as far as the political field goes. I was helping a friend with the state party CD3 I had a lot of people ask me to run for CD3. It was a position that Ben Ray Lujan was going to be vacating. I took them up on it. I obtained an amazing amount of support. I had more than double the amount of signatures required. I had collected the most amount of money of any of my competitors in the Republican field. I had turned in my signatures in February as required. In two days, they were qualified. And two days later, they were disqualified. 
they stated that, and I went and met them that very next morning when I got the email that they were disqualified. So I ran to Santa Fe to see, okay, what's going on? This must be a mistake. I believe it still was a mistake, but they were trying to twist it. They stated that on the headline of the petitions that I trimmed off the very, very tip, which was the headline is basically what it was. I know I did that. I realize I did that. However, that is not in our election handbook. The header doesn't even have to be there as far as our election handbook goes. What does have to happen is you have to have all the text a certain font size. So when I click print on the blank petitions, I didn't put scale to fit because I did not want to change the size of the text because that is in our election code book. Mm -hmm. We cannot change that size. So I know that that happened. So when it was expanded out, it did hit trim the top. Again, that's not part of our election laws. They, I had an attorney and uh, Chris Saucedo out of Albuquerque and also an attorney out of Washington DC working on this. They realized also, as well as I did, that this was in accordance with our election law. There was nothing against it. Yeah. We took it to the lower court. The lower court in Santa Fe actually said, I'm afraid to rule against the Secretary of State. It was at that point I realized I needed to put my campaign aside because I couldn't do both. I needed to put the campaign aside and fight for our constitutional rights because that is our Bill of Rights, the right to petition the government. Yeah. They were violating our rights, our rights to petition the government. So it was full on and went to the Supreme Court at the Supreme Court level. And you gotta figure this was at the beginning of COVID as well, but at the Supreme Court level, the Supreme Court ruled in our favor four to one that what she did was a violation. And she was actually trying to create law where legislature hadn't even passed anything. And that is Supreme Court case, I believe it is S1, SC as in Supreme Court, 38173. If anybody wants to look it up, it's it's a remarkable win for us. After that, several other candidates, I don't know what side they were on, it doesn't matter, but several other candidates were able to keep their names on the ballot because of that court case. So we created case law and that will help every, not only person who signs a petition and wants their voice heard, but any candidate that wants to stand up for our citizens. You've said that Democrats fear nothing more than a conservative woman in office. Do you think that that sure. was still the main motivation behind that? I mean, obviously, with the Secretary of State, she's she's had lots of complaints, not just from the Republican Party, as far as doing funny things and in regards to your situation. Obviously, that happened. I think they have a fear of a conservative woman in office. They what they have done, the record speaks for themselves and who they try to eliminate. It's, it's obvious. It's somebody who is conservative. It is, um, it's just somebody who doesn't agree with whatever their agenda is. Mm -hmm. And I didn't meet that agenda. So I had a target on my back and I know that, but I feel blessed that I had that win and that win was created for others as well. You know, we already know we have our constitutional rights, but apparently she didn't realize that this reinforced it. I will always stand up for what's right. I will always stand up for our constitutional rights. And that's what we need in offices. We need people who have the integrity to stand up 
for what is in the Constitution, because as citizens, if we don't have that, that representation, somebody who has the integrity to stand up for our constitutional rights, regardless if it is for our voting or if it is for us, our speaking out and saying anything, you know, or a right to freedom of speech, mm -hmm. we need to have strong people who will stand up for that, not just who will capitulate to whatever's going on. Right. And I can basically, I can second that when I, when we discuss dealing with the secretary of state in the election, I don't know, chicanery that tends to happen as someone who has friends uh, that are in the, uh, the Libertarian Party, a third party here in the mm -hmm. state, I can tell you for a fact, um, with many elections, there's been many questionable decisions coming from the Secretary of State's office that has not only thwarted, sometimes thwarted candidates, but sometimes has undermined um, ballot access. So that's yeah. good that the Supreme Court does ultimately kind of said like, yeah, this is kind of crazy. And But uh, unfortunately, I know it was sort of a Pyrrhic victory, but at the same time, I'm glad it allowed other kind of candidates to kind yeah. of remain on the ballot. I mean, that's ultimately we're going to need that diversity of ideas. But I mean, that said, and, you know, and having gone over your your situation here, I mean, what is your what is your current opinion of our secretary of state? Um, and do you foresee any of these same issues coming up when you're running for lieutenant governor? Hmm, probably uh, and probably with other candidates. But I think it's time to change who the Secretary of State is. I think it's time to get someone in there who represents the people who have voted for them. So it's time to make that change. Sure. When it comes to making that change, obviously campaign funding is a huge part of that. You had mentioned that you were way ahead of everyone else in Congressional District 3 in that run. And maybe that's why the target was placed on your back. But even right. with what you had raised, it really paled in comparison to what the Democrats raised. And, and, and that's a problem that we've seen across the board. I mean, the Democrats, they get a lot of money uh, from outside of state, um, which people can think whatever they like about that. But regardless, it's a disadvantage. Yeah. In, in your race and even in other um, races coming up, how does the Republican Party fight back against that disadvantage just on a campaign financing level? Well, as we all know, the Democrats get money from other resources and a lot of those resources are out of state. And as many people know that when you pass the primary, you get additional resources primarily from out of state. What we need to do though, is we need to involve not only just the Republicans, this is not just about Republicans. This is about New Mexico. This is about New Mexicans. It's about standing up for what is right for New Mexico. And, and I am a conservative and I believe the conservative way is the best way because that is more of the business model that business people take is a conservative way or else they won't be in business very long. And our government needs to be run like a business, but back to the fundraising. Fundraising is very, very valuable. And another thing that I did when I was running for CD3 and I decided to put my campaign aside, there were several people who gave me a max donation before the general and, uh, and before the end of the primary because of the Secretary of State deal. In being ethical, I think it is valuable that you do what is right, regardless if it's popular or not. What I did is I refunded the portion that would have gone after the primary towards the general 
election. I refunded that to the people who had donated a full donation. And I would do that at any time at this time too. It is important though, that it shows that you're getting the confidence by getting that full donation, the full amount up front. Uh, anything yeah. from, you know, I, I have something that I'm getting ready to start. That's going to be called the 2022 challenge. And I am going to challenge 20 people to donate $20 and 22 cents. And then with those 20 people, I challenge them to reach out to 20 more people to donate $20 and 22 cents. And bit by bit, if, if we each spread out to 20 more and those 20 go to 20 more and those 20 go to 20 more, not only will the word get out there, but also the fundraising is much easier when you have everybody participating just a little bit. And if you can do more, awesome, do more. If you can do a max donation to my campaign, uh, it, my campaign and my donor button is at www.anastasia4nm.com. That's www.anastasia4nm.com. I would appreciate any donation. And if you want to join the 2022 challenge, awesome. Let's go. Let's, let's make changes in this state. That's what it's about. It's about making the changes in our state to benefit our citizens. And I know you didn't ask, but not many people know who the Lieutenant Governor is or what they even do. And according to our own New Mexico Constitution, the Lieutenant Governor is the liaison between the governor and the citizens. That's why I'm running for Lieutenant Governor, nothing else, because I wanna be involved in the citizens of my great state. As I said, we have the greatest states. Who else has Wheeler Peak to the Carlsbad cabins, farms, ranches, forests, plateaus, beautiful sunsets. And who else has Christmas on the menu all year round? <laughs> well, it's interesting you bring that up. I mean, that was, we were just about to get into that anyways, is what are your goals as Lieutenant Governor? You speak about being the liaison, you know, between the governor and the people. What do you think is failing there? What what, oh, what, are, what are those problems and how do you intend to improve them as lieutenant governor? We have, you know, the lieutenant governor is also on several commissions and boards. Uh, the last one that was created was the children's cabinet that was created by a lieutenant governor many years ago. But in addition to the lieutenant governor being on these boards and commissions and the children's cabinet, what we need to have is we need to have one for our law enforcement officers, bringing in either retired and active law enforcement officers from across the state to uh, brainstorm on how we get the best education and training for our law enforcement, LEO, how we get more funds. I want them to have the best technology that they can, the best equipment. And then I want them to have the people who can work on that technology when it breaks down instead of having a computer or something else sitting on their desk piling up because they don't have access to somebody to fix it and they end up using their funds especially the sheriff's department one particular in quay county they end up having these two or three computers pile up on their desk because no one in santa fe will get them the attention they need to fix these computers we need to have the best computers we need to have the technology to fix it we need to have the people that can work on it. it. You know, we have some of the greatest resources in New Mexico. I'm not just talking about oil and gas and minerals and timber. I'm talking about, we have the labs, mm -hmm. we have our children. And if, 
this is just really encompassing a lot of things. If we can have the greatest education, excellence in education, we can have our children not only understanding how to read a contract, whether it's to, to lease a property or an employment contract, before they turn 18, they need to know this. They need to know how to balance their checking account. It may not be a checkbook anymore. That's fine. It might be something else, but they need to know how to balance that, how to save for their retirement. But they also need to be able to have different types of training, whether it is in something that has to do with, um, let's say, plumbing and welding and electrician and building, it, that or on the other level where we have technology our children can be going to our labs or they can be working for the state. They can be working on our border with technology included in our border patrol and in protecting our border from the criminal activity and illegal activity. So this, this is all encompassed. And how am I going to do that? I, I did hear the question. We need to start community by community. We need to start town by town, city by city, county by county. All ships rising, you know, in a tide yeah. helps everybody. And if you raise the issues in all the communities, and you start fixing them a little bit at a time for each community. All of a sudden, New Mexico as a whole is so much better. And that's why being the liaison between the governor and the citizens is so incredibly valuable. And we need to do what we're supposed to be doing as a lieutenant governor. We need to be doing that. Each community has a little bit of different problems. And we have resources in some of our bigger communities, but our rural communities are knocked out. And we depend on those rural communities, especially the farming and ranching and our oil and gas and our minerals. And those communities also depend on those jobs. We also need to bring in other, um, other types of jobs, other types of businesses. We need to be able to look at all of the labels of anything that we pick up, whether it's you know a glass case or something that we buy in New Mexico, and be able to know that we that was purchased in New Mexico and it was made in New Mexico. My sister and I went to Ireland several years ago, and when we were looking at gifts to bring back to our families, she was always looking at the labels. And a majority of the labels said <laughs> made in Ireland. What a concept. What a novel, novel concept. Why can't we do that? We have such a great tourist industry that we need to support. We need to support our oil and gas, but our tourist industry, they come in and they deposit money into our economy. They should be depositing that money into purchasing items that were made in New Mexico. And a lot of them are, but some of them are not. If you drive through some of our communities, I know it's cheaper to stock your retail businesses with things made from other countries, but what a concept to be able to have everything made right here in New Mexico and then ship it out to other places where other places can be bringing money into New Mexico at that point. We have no reason why we can't be doing that. Again, I believe in New Mexico. Yeah, it does, it does seem as though you would qualify to be called what i would say is new mexico first or yeah. new mexico first new mexico true um yeah all of the above and thank you again you're one of many candidates that we've had on that's stressed education um you know we're we're losing population um younger population and uh, we're gaining population in since much more 
older demographic. And while, you know, that that's all well and good that we're kind of becoming more of a retirement uh, destination for people in the country. We need the vibrance of the young and the youth. We need to reiterate the trades. We need to reiterate all these other things. And I am just I, it, it's always good that there's this common theme left or right, Democrat or Republican, about like education. Now, I may disagree with the more Democrat solution of just spending more on it. Um, Mm -hmm. But uh, I do. But everyone understands that, like, in order to keep talent here, in order to do the things you're saying, like manufacture here, make things here Mm -hmm. in New Mexico, teach people business and life skills. I mean, it's it's all about the education and stuff like that. But and, and you mentioned some. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You mentioned something about our education. I was blessed to have both private education and public education. I was blessed with that. It, there was a contrast. There was a difference. But it also mm-hmm. showed me the different values of where the money needs to be spent. It needs to go with the child. We don't need to you know, bump up and push more money into admin. We put a lot of money into education. That should be going with the child because the child is our customer in this. And we need to look at it in a business way. Who is our customer and what good are we doing for them? Are we getting them the return on the dollar? And again, that's a business concept. If you're not getting the return on the dollar, if it's costing you more than what you're getting back, you need to do something differently. And it's time we do something differently on the education. I was also blessed to have two fathers and two moms. My, my dad, of course, was a sheriff of, and you may have already looked this up, he was a sheriff of Torrance County. So I'm the daughter of, the sister of, the stepmom of, and the yeah. aunt of uh, everybody, uh, several people that are in law enforcement. So LEO is very important to me. My stepdad was in the Baton March in World War II. He was a veteran. I value our veterans. And one of the things we also need to do, in addition to keeping our youth here and and having them expand New Mexico and help have them helping us grow and better New Mexico. We need to keep our veterans here. They have to go to Texas, to El Paso, to Amarillo for better health care. That's not okay. Many of our, like our code talkers, many of those that have been in the service, they need to have the best care. And that care needs to be going to them. They don't need to be running to Albuquerque from wherever they are, way out yonder to try to get good health care. And then some of them don't even have good access to internet to be able to fill out paperwork or anything else. We need to have a system to where, you know, maybe once a month we have perhaps a van or something that goes out to them to make sure that they have the resources they need and they will contribute to the society. Our veterans are very good at standing up for what is right and standing up and participating in our communities. So we need to retain them as well. I think going back to the idea of you being the liaison uh, between the people, it becomes important in a lot of people's minds that, you know, obviously the Republican party put up a, a decent fight for the governorship. Assuming, assuming the Republicans find a candidate that can win that race, which it is, it's, it's a long shot right now. Um, in my estimation, but what would that mean as far as that relationship and back to the people in your mind? Well, the gubernatorial race is run independently of anybody running for Lieutenant governor. So they're very independent until the primary and the day after the primary, the day after the primary, 
what happens is whoever the citizens have chosen for their gubernatorial candidate and likewise for lieutenant gubernatorial candidate, they team up together then at that point to go against the Democrat machine. We need help. We need everybody to participate. You know, when Trump was running, everybody thought we have a hero. We have somebody who is going to take care of and fix everything. And we lost people from participating. Uh, they just assumed it would be okay. It'll be fixed. He'll get back in, whatever. But we cannot lose people from participating. Many people worked very hard, knocking door to door, getting information out. But some of the people didn't. And it if those people are disappointed in the way the election turned out or the way the CD1 election turned out, help us get involved. We need volunteers. We need donations. We need you to jump in. Join my team. Join us in making a change for New Mexico because that's what this is about. Um, and who's going to be the governor? Uh, I, it doesn't matter to me because I work for the people. I don't work for the governor. And I believe we have some great candidates. Um, I, I kind of disagree with you. I'm sorry, but I think we have a good chance because we have such good candidates. And when we get it narrowed down, I think we're going to have an awesome team. And I look forward to being the lieutenant governor and busting my buns for New Mexico. You know, my children are grown. I don't have to take care of children right now. I can dedicate, my husband's taking care of our business. I can dedicate this time to our state and and be loyal to our state to get it fixed. You know, I'm also, when you're a little bit older, you're pretty much set in your ways of what's right, what's ethical. Um, you don't worry about not doing what's popular. Yeah. I don't have to do what's popular, but when I look in the mirror and when I pass on someday, I want my kids, my grandkids, my neighbors, kids to say, she did what was right. She stood up for our constitutional rights. She had the integrity to stand for what is in our constitution for the people. And that's, that's where I, I feel like I'm very strong. So with a lot of New Mexicans, I think it's very important. Uh, Delta cases are now rising, mm -hmm. which we can debate the reality of that and, <laughs> and probably get kicked off of every platform that we uh, broadcast to. But what do you think New Mexicans ought to do? You talk about constitutional rights. How do these public health orders relate to those constitutional rights? And, and should they be imposed again? And, and let's say the governor decides that you know, she wants to shut down the state again. What should the New Mexican response be? No. I think that's Just pretty simple. simple. Yeah, no, no, no. Clear and concise. Tell me what the test is for the DELTA strain. What, what's the test? <laughs> What are we going to use? The tests are garbage. Wait, what is the criteria? <laughs> what, are, what is the criteria? What are the cycle thresholds? What are the? No, there's tons of questions before we go down this road again. That I, I that's a great question. What's the test? And more, and to and to roll into that, what's what's the gate? What's the criteria? What when is when are we not under threat of reimposition of these health orders? When are when is done done? When, when have we won against the pandemic? When have we done all these things? I think. Um, I assume then if you were in the governor or lieutenant governor's shoes now, you you wouldn't have imposed as draconian public health orders as we've been dealing with for the past 15 months. 
Not at all. Uh, you know, I just like anybody else, I may have had a knee jerk reaction the first month, but I think I'd have done a whole lot more research on this. I would have involved more people in virology who know what's going on and know what's not going on. I also think that there have been plenty of other health professionals that uh, are, are opposed to what has been enforced and pushed down our throats and we're not listening to them or some people are not listening to them. You need to listen to all of them. You need to listen to the whole story, the whole thing, not just bits and pieces. It's valuable to get the whole story. I am against forcing the vaccine. I am against forcing businesses to close. You know, that's part of our dignity. That's part of our pride. And we need to restore our dignity and our pride. And one of those is having a business and feeling like you can put a roof over your head and you can provide for your family. I mean, that's just part of New Mexico. That's yeah. down to our heart. That's not Democrat. That's not Republican. That's not Libertarian. That's not Independent. Having pride in what you do and being able to provide for your children and your family at whatever level, even your grandparents, that gives you a sense of pride and dignity. And that's one of the things that this draconian measure did is it stripped away the pride from people and yeah. it stripped away their way to provide an income and put food on the table. And then, you know, it, it doesn't, makes sense to me that we shut down small businesses, but not big box stores. And we all know this, this is an echo chamber on that. We all know yeah. that that was just so incredibly wrong because the virus does not um, hang out at small businesses and not at the big box stores. We should have had all of our restaurants open. You know, being in real estate, I was, you know, one of the ones that was, um, you know, the, the required or the necessary businesses that, that could go on. I tell you what, every business is necessary. Every business is important or it wouldn't be in business. You cannot pick and choose because of your own selection that this restaurant can stay open. This one can stay closed. This business can stay open. This one has to close. It's like, no, 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 no. We need to be equal to all of them. It needs to be free to all of them and let the people decide who they're going to visit. If they're going to visit one store or one restaurant or over another, good for them. You know, each owner, each business owner has their own individual constitutional rights as well. We seem to separate, you know, the businesses mm -hmm. from the citizens, but we're all citizens. And and that would have never happened under under my watch at all. It was it was yeah, it was I mean, just wrong think, to pick and choose. I think that's that's part of the problem is that we we recognize the problems, but as this moves forward, you know, I think it could be argued that with the current leadership that we are going to see those things reimposed. And, and it's easy to say, well, what's the answer to that? And you say no, which is, in my opinion, the right answer. Always but right. no, in that situation, when you're dealing with the legal implications, that's a, that's a pretty hard thing to do. I mean, so, so what would you do considering how you feel about the Constitution and how it applies to these situations? Is it, is it time for mass civil disobedience? I mean, obviously we've seen it in France as they've tried yeah. forcing the vaccine on people there. We, there were huge protests Italy in London and, yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And France yeah. and London, and, well, particularly Great Britain yeah. in particular. Uh, we've seen it. I mean, we're seeing it. And I mean, part of the unrest in Cuba was really not lack of access to vaccines. It's actually finally, after a year of draconian imposition of these health orders globally, and it, it, it's it is the, the the 
breakdown in international trade. It's the inability to get mm-hmm. products. It's people not being able to get stuff. Right. I've seen it in South Africa. A lot of that isn't just unrest because of racial tensions. It's really a year oh, right. of this. So I fear that any additional imposition of that stuff will turn things here kind of dicey. Right. And that's a national policy issue. Uh, that's an issue of national importance and stuff like that. I mean, let's talk about that for one second. I mean, as a lieutenant governor, let's say you win and let's hope you win. Right. Um, Thank you. <laughs> what what can we do as a state? What can uh, a Republican regime do in New Mexico to like either shield us from these national issues or at the very least confront these issues that are coming because I, I have a, na- I have a nasty feeling that like there will be federal uh, imposition um, as there is already because most of our lands are federal out here, unfortunately. Um, what can we do? What can governors do? What can states do? Well, let's break that down into th- two things because you were saying, what do we do now if something happens? And then you asked about when I am Lieutenant Governor, what what do we do? So let's take the first one. What do we do right now? Well, there were several independent businesses that did stand up. They got fined, but they stood up. Take the uh, pawn shop in grants. They stood up. They got fined, but they stood up. And in that community, there were over 50 businesses that were going to stand up with them. And what happened is some of those caved and leaving just two or three to stand up for everybody. As a community, we need to realize who works for who. Our elected officials work for us. It is not the other way around. And as a community, we need to understand and realize that our elected officials, whether they are a mayor or they are a sheriff, and our sheriffs are awesome, or they are any other elected official, including the governor and the lieutenant governor, they work for the people. And the people need to get together as a community and stand up and say, no, we're not going to close our businesses. Find us if you want, but we're not going to pay that either. You know, we'll, ha- we'll do our day in court because that's what the court system is for. You know, they may say we're going to shut down. And the secretary of state said, I'm disqualifying your petitions. And they may say anything they want to, but we have to stand up to them. And if we don't stand up to them, they'll continue to just run all over us. But that's not the way our system works. Our system works to where they work for us. We are the citizens. And when I'm the lieutenant governor, I know that I work for the citizens. And as a community, I will work with the communities. Now, also as a lieutenant governor, I think it is valuable that I listen to the communities and what they want. And as long as it is in line with our constitution, our United States constitution, I will stand up for what is right. Civil unrest, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope that what happens is we make our elected officials realize that they work for us. It's not the other way around. And as far as when I am in office, I will support anything that removes a an emergency order lasting more than just an emergency period, which is what, 30 days, maybe 60 at the most, but I think 30 is plenty. I mean, how about 10? How about yeah, five? Right. Um, the emergency order has been well beyond the emergency and it was within 30 days because we, for those who did the research and learned what was going on, we all knew that where this virus was coming from, what it was, 
and what the risks were and who the risks were, what age group had the risks and why. We needed to start getting out what what we needed to do to be healthier, what we needed to, what vitamins and minerals we needed to to take if we if we got that that virus, which I did, if we got that virus, how to get through it and get through it in the most successful way instead of shutting everybody down, empower them. Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to do is we need to empower the people, not, not keep the information from them and say, just do as I say. Mm. But that, no, that's not America. I think that's a good place to kind of wrap things up. Um, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you so much. You, you seem to have a lot to say, and that's that's never a bad thing for us. So we really absolutely it makes you. our make, it makes thank this you. very very easy. <laughs> so thank you for coming on. Good luck in your uh, campaign, and uh, if you make it through the gauntlet, that is, uh, I don't know, is there a primary? Yes, there okay. will be a primary, and um, just to say it one more time, and if you won't mind posting this, my website is www anastasia for new mexico.com that's www.anastasiafornm.com anastasia stands for rising let's help new mexico rise anise my nickname is in biscochitos let's celebrate after we have had new mexico rise with the biscochitos thank you very much for your time right thank on you thank you well, well there you have it that was well, nice that was pleasant. Yeah, so, yeah. and also, may I make a comment on the oh. fact that your camera looks amazing? <laughs> it's not your studio camera. <laughs> I, you know, I, I don't know what to say about that studio camera. It's like when I bought it, it seemed to work fine, but the uh, quality seems to have definitely gone down. So, I probably do need to so, do something about so that. So, let's help Sean replace his camera, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> by shameless plug, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the orb <laughs> that shiny box thing you can get this yeah, on amazon.com uh you know you help the show out by helping me out because together maybe just maybe we can get sean a camera that actually looks like this <laughs> well i appreciate it mr Preston, as as usual all right yeah, we, so- we all help each other out you and you help me i help you what's baka doing though Producer, Baca, who do we have next week, sir? Uh, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for coming in. It's Paul, forgive me if I mispronounce it. I'm not sure you haven't talked to him. Paul, guessing or Jessing? Do you gentlemen guessing. know? Guessing. I think guessing. it's guessing. That's just Paul guessing. guessing. August 1st, 1 p.m. this next Sunday. Paul, uh, Paul Guessing will be on, and we'll talk about all manner of cool stuff like we always do, right? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. He's good guess. Good guess. No, no, Paul. And, uh, you know, been in the, in the trenches with them and it'll be a good opportunity to see what the Rio Grande foundation is up to, to give us the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's going on here in New Mexico. So yeah, Paul guessing next week. And, uh, with that said, man, thanks everybody for watching, you know, all the normal things like share, subscribe, the, the podcast it. will be up here in a couple in, in about uh, 24 hours. So definitely go to Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts if you want to just listen to our dulcet tones. So. Yeah. And uh, don't forget, go go get your hands on one of Thad's glowy box thingies. Right. <laughs> They're pretty awesome. <laughs> I, I'm going to show you next time. I'll bring mine out. It's cool. It's neat. All the kids want one. All the right. bold, All the bald old men want one. 
Let's, yeah, all well. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, all right, gentlemen. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs>